This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. Here are some startling statistics. Every nine seconds, a woman or a man is subjected to abuse by a partner or a spouse. The state of Georgia ranks ninth nationwide in the incidence of domestic violence. And nationwide domestic violence cost an estimated 8.3 billion, yes, that is billion with a B, dollars in annual expense and in higher medical cost and lost productivity. And as you would suspect, the cost on families is a number that no one can calculate. Our guest today is Alma Davis. She has established a foundation to help the victims of domestic violence abuse. And she has an event that's coming up on Saturday, October 3rd, starting at 8. It is the Walk a Mile in Their Shoes, Domestic Violence 5K One Mile Walk. And Alma Davis, welcome. Thank you for being with us on the program. Thank you so much for having me. So I, I, the first thing I, I want to ask you is how did you come to form your own foundation? Um, I grew up in a household where I saw domestic violence every day. And so by the time I was 14 years old, I had my first set of black eyes from another 14-year-old who saw it in his house every day. So unfortunately, we were taught that was norm. That's how you deal in relationships because of our environment. And it wasn't until I was 22 years old when I had my, my first daughter that I realized, wait a minute, that's not normal. That's not how normal people get along or disagree. And I made it a personal mission of mine to make sure that my daughter would never walk into that cycle or be in that cycle and that I was going to break that cycle. So in 2005, we started the foundation. Um, and our, our basic initially was to just go out in different low-income communities, see what those needs were, and supply those needs. And no matter where we went, from here, we were in Ghana for four years, no matter where we went, we saw a common denominator of violence that takes place in homes. And having been a survivor myself, I know how that trickles on, how it affects your children, how the cycle just never stops. So. I made it a personal vow to start addressing domestic violence. And in 2009, we created our first uh, gala called um, Jennifer Divas. And we honored 150 women and young girls starting at 13 that were all in shelters across 29 different shelters across the state of Georgia. Um, they came in, they got beautified, they got formal attire they got to keep. They didn't know until they walked the red carpet that everyone was there to honor them. And once we saw the effect of that um, and how it just galvanized people and it made, made such a change, a difference in those survivors, people kept saying, what more, what more can you do? And from that, we have just continuously created different programs and different projects to help survivors in that situation. One of the themes of your foundation is E squared C. Yes. Share with us what that means. It means to educate, empower, and celebrate survivors. And we do that in, in very simple ways. So educate, we work with 
all these shelters and we work with individuals and we educate them about anything that has to affect their domestic violence, whether that means their financial income, because most people don't realize that people are still in these situations because they don't have the finances or the finances are being controlled. So we teach them financial independence. We teach them pre-employment skills or work maturity skills to get them back out, out of the shelter, uh, back into jobs. We even teach them about how your health is tremendously affected if you have survived domestic violence from there is PTSD from domestic violence. There are um, a large number of women show they have strokes once they've had head trauma. So we educate in every arena affecting domestic violence, not only to survivors, but to the community. We empower them by two ways. One, by taking those ladies and girls who've gone through our trainings, um, gone through our workshops, and we then take them and match them up with our corporate partners that can provide them with jobs. So taking the skills that we've been putting them, empowering them to go back out and say, hey, I can do this on my own. I've gotten a job and helping them transition out of shelters. And then we empower them through our walk. I walk a mile in their shoes. And that's just not for survivors, it's for the community. The gist of the walk a mile in their shoes and how we empower people is that if you walk instead of running, you're actually partnered with a survivor, whether that's a male, female, or a child. And as you walk together, they share their story so you're truly walking a mile in their shoes and it opens the door we have people last year we did our first one here in Atlanta it was 20 degree weather and we had over 120 something people come out and it opened the door for so many people to say hey I've been embarrassed about this I never talked about this but here's what I went through here's what I had to see every day at home and then we turn around and we celebrate them through our gala showing them that they are special they are honored they are loved and they are more beautiful if I can show you how beautiful you are on the outside then I can pour into your inside and so that's how we continue to break the cycle. How are you able to see that the work that you and your organization are doing is having an impact in the lives of the people you serve? Um, I've seen it in two ways. The first time we were able to transition a woman out of a shelter um, was incredible to me. She had come to all of our, like I said, come to all of our events and I I pulled her to the side and said, hey, why are you still here? And she said, well, I've been here over a year because I couldn't find a job. It's hard for me to find a job when I'm in a shelter. Now, unfortunately, if you have a mental illness, it's easier to get out of uh, to get housing more so than if you've just been in a bad situation um, and you have to have employment. So I asked her to send me her resume and I looked at it. I was like, wow, this woman has over 25 years of of a legal being a legal assistant. So I called our partner, the Cochran firm, and I said, hey, are y'all hiring? And they said, we're actually looking for, for a legal assistant. I said, well, I want to submit somebody's resume. I never told them who it was or where she was from. Or what the situation was. Absolutely. And they looked at her resume and said, oh, we'd love to invite her in. I said, well, okay. They called her in for an interview. She interviewed with four of the partners. And they came back and said, wow, Alma, what do you want us to do? I said, well, I just want to see if what we're teaching, what we're doing is really working. Just give her an opportunity. Let, you know, let her work for one week. She's been there now for five months. She has completely left the shelter because now she has stable employment. And so that was an amazing feeling. But on the other end, we got to see, um, I did a radio show a couple of months ago. And by the time I got to my office, there was a call from a gentleman that said, hey, I listened to you and I am an abuser. And I feel so compelled to go get help because of what you've said. So please help me. And we were able then to partner him with organizations that help the abusers. So that's how I know what we're doing is working. And we are turning this now into a national movement. Someone who calls and identifies, self-identifies as an abuser, just hearing about the work that you're doing and 
perhaps the guilt associated with what he was doing. Yes. Yes. Made him want to change. Yes. And what you find out, so many people don't understand why they are abusing, whether it was something that they were exposed to um, or they have anger issues. They don't know. They've never been taught how to disagree and manage that without being physical. And again, domestic violence can be physical, verbal, um, control, mental control. Um, and so, yes, he was so he was so compelled and that he called our office and was begging for help. Do you know anything about his status now? Is yes. He, is he better? Yes, we have followed through. We have followed through with the partnering agency to make sure he has been attending, getting help, and he has truly stuck with it. And then um, got a call from his wife telling us thank you. So that family stays together. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the more important thing is everybody received help. Even she received help. Um, I didn't know if they had children, but if it was addressed to me that they did, those kids needed help. You know, people don't even put together in their minds that most children that come from households of domestic violence, they have a large rate, over 85% of killed, those same kids are abused, child abused. So you got over 10 million kids a year being, being abused just coming from households of domestic violence. So it affects everybody. It just doesn't affect the person being hit or spoken to. It affects everybody. A large percent of our boys, 95% of our boys between the age of 16 and 21 that go to jail for murder, went to jail from murdering their mother's abuser. You know, so here we have our young kids trying to save our parents, and it's destroying everybody's life. So then what do you make of this story that has been in the news in Atlanta for the last several weeks, which, as I'm talking to you and thinking about it, is domestic violence, but it's a situation where children have turned on their parents. It's it's interesting. Um, I am certainly waiting to hear the the more facts that come out but normally when I see an incident like that or hear we hear it in our area of expertise there's some underlining things that happen um, for a child unfortunately to get to that point to feel like their only way, way out is to murder their parents it'll be interesting to see what yes. what else comes up um, not saying this is the case but what we have seen in history more likely there were some other major issues going on that have violence not yet been disclosed. Right, exactly, right, exactly. Right, exactly. So now tell us about this event, the uh, 5K run, One Mile Walk, coming up Saturday, October 3rd. You're over there on the Beltline somewhere, right? Yes, we start at the Park Tavern right beside Piedmont Park, and we actually cross over and do the Beltline. So when they're out walking and running, not only are they celebrating um, survivors and people coming out sharing their stories, but they get to see the beautiful Beltline as well and experience that. And so it starts at 8 o'clock, but we do have pre-registration. You can go online and register through our foundation at the almagdavisfoundation.org or you can come out on Saturday and register at 7 p.m. Now we strongly, strongly encourage... 7 p.m. or 7 a.m.? I'm sorry, 7 a.m. Yes, please don't come at night. We will not be there. But we strongly encourage everyone to pre-register. Um, but if not, definitely can, you can come out on Saturday morning at 7 and register and join us. So now registration, is that to, so that you get a head count or is it really a fundraiser so that that gives you additional resources to provide programs and services for your clients? Absolutely. It's actual both. We definitely look to have a head count because we want to make sure everybody is covered with all the things that we provide everyone. But all funds raised do go to our programs. Everything that we provide for our clients is free um, to from the dinner for divas to them participating so we want to make sure that we continue the work that we do and we can't do that without the public support so now how do your clients find you 
Uh, it's very easy because we work with over 26 shelters um, and we have established uh, relationships with them. So a lot of them refer to us, but we get a lot of people who hear about us or have seen what we're doing and saying, hey, I'm a survivor. Um, the, the good thing about like when we do the Dinner for Divas Gala, you have over 100 stylists in there dressing them. You have over 100 hairstylists, makeup artists. Um, they get their nails done. And so a lot of them are survivors themselves. It's, it's unique why people come to volunteer. And so the word just spreads because they actually not only hear about what we're doing, but they see and they see the survivors that we are affecting. And I think that's what makes our foundation great because anything you come to do with our foundation, you will see the survivors yourself. What message do you have today for those women who, and men, who may be in some sort of abusive relationship or situation and have not gotten out of that situation yet? You get referrals from shelters, women who have found a way to get out of that home. But we know there are thousands more who are enduring this every day. Yes. I, the first thing I want to say to you is you are not alone. I know that you feel alienated and that no one cares, but that is far from the truth. We are here to help you. There are people that are out here to love on you and to show you that your value is more than what you've been told or wh whatever you have had to go through. And number two, that your children, if you have children, your children matter. They're important. And we have to stand in for you and help be a gap and be a voice for your kids because they don't have a voice. And your safety is very, very important to us. Number three, get a safety plan. If you don't know how to do that, call our office. We will help you. Um, but put a plan of action together to try to get out of that situation. Even if that means have a safety word. If you have children and say if, when mommy says Nike, that means don't ask questions. Let's go. Let's get out. Um, and more than anything, there are resources out there for you. You have the National Domestic Violence Hotline that will help you find shelters. You can call our office. We will do the same. And please, if you get the courage, and we hope that you do, to make that call, do not hang up that phone until you have help. We have seen incidences where a lot of times people, you know, say, oh, the shelter is full or we don't have it. Do not hang up that phone. It is their obligation. It is our obligation to make sure you are safe, you are out of that situation, and to get you the help that you need. Now, make no mistake, audience, this lady, Ms. Davis, is an authority and an expert at what she's doing. You got to go to the White House uh, yes. recently, and tell us about that. I was at an, an amazing invitation um, back in September um, of last year, right after the big Ray Rice incident. I got to go in and talk about um, the issue of domestic violence and some things that could be moved and, and done differently and how do, how do we connect with survivors. And it was just an incredible opportunity to talk about it. Last year was the 25th anniversary of the Women in, on Violence Act. And so from that visit is now catapulted into, I am now working on uh, a national movement and a national conference that will be in DC, DC in 2016. And our walk will actually be a national walk next year in DC. So getting people involved from every arena, whether that's politics, whether that's the health wise, but this needs to be a topic that we discuss every day at our dinner table because it affects every area of our life. Violence begets violence. And if we can get a grip on what we're seeing behind closed doors, we will start to see it trickle down and get a, get a grip on other areas of violence that we're seeing every day. This is a lot of work. What yes. do you get, Alma, out of doing it? Um, the greatest thing for me is knowing that I have helped somebody else because that was me. 
No one was there for me. I came from a small town where those resources were not there for me. And at the young age of 14, I wish someone would have taken me under their wing and said, Alma, you're more important. You're valued. You, I strongly believe that you're not so much in a, in a, uh, you're not so much a, I'm sorry, this is a little emotional. Take your time. <laughs> you're not so much a product of your environment as you are a product of your expectations. And if someone would have poured into to me who I could be and what I could be, and those expectations could have grown, there's no telling what the difference could have been. I do understand I had to go through those things because I cannot connect with the people I connect with if I had not understood it. Um, and so for me to see those smiling faces, to see women's lives, women and men's lives change by what we're saying, by what we're doing, that's incredible. I love what I do. Every day that I get up, I have no worries about going out doing what I do because this is what I'm, I'm here to do. Now, I know you have a number of corporate partners and folks who are helping with the event on October 3rd. If someone listening wants to be a part of the work that you're doing and helping to make a difference in someone else's life, uh, do you need it? What do they do? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They can call our office. Again, the number is 678-957-9464. Or go to our website, and there are ways that you can actually send inquiry emails and reach out to us directly. If you call the office, ask to talk to, talk with me. We have people in place. Or even you can send an email to info at Alma, A-L-M-A-G, Davis, foundation.org and we would definitely utilize your help we are always looking for not only financial sponsors but we're looking for corporations that want to give these ladies and girls uh, jobs entry level some entry level jobs but there are several of them that have master's degrees um, so we're looking for partners all out in the community that want to come on board and say hey we want to help even there are opportunities for us to come out to speak to corporations um, because employees deal with this every day um, we I do do speaking engagements uh, you name it we are here to help and we definitely need the community and corporations to come on board well, it's the Alma G. Davis Foundation, and the event is Walk a Mile in Their Shoes. Educate, advocate against domestic violence. It's a 5K run, a one-mile walk. Again, it's coming up on Saturday, October 3rd. Uh, it gets going at 8 o'clock in the morning. You can pre-register online at almadavisfoundation.org. Uh, registrations are $25 per individual. $100 for a team of five. Now, if you fool around and wait until the morning of the race, the prices are going to go up five bucks. So that's $30 to, to participate as an individual, $125 for a team. But as you've heard, these resources go to a pretty terrific cause. Uh, Alma Davis, if you give us your phone number one more time or the website or a Facebook page or someplace where people can connect with you, because again, we don't know who might need your resources. Absolutely. That phone number again is 678-957-9464. And the website is almagdavisfoundation.org. A-L-M-A-G-D-A-V-I-S foundation.org. You can connect with us via social media, via Facebook. You can, it's under the Alma G. Davis Foundation, as well as we are on Twitter and Instagram, Instagram at Alma G. Davis FDN. Thanks for your time and God bless for the work. Thank you so much for having me.
That's Cheyenne, the latest single from the artist Jason Derulo, who joins us for a few minutes. Congratulations on your success. The second album is really climbing the charts. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, been an amazing, amazing ride, for real. Before we started, you said that the things that you've learned over the years, that's not true. You're very young. The things that you've learned over the years, you're a very young man. You haven't been in the business that long, have you? <laughs> well, I've been on the scene for about six years, and I've been behind the scenes um, for about three years before that. I love your new single. Can you tell me a little bit about your inspiration and, and, and that particular release? Yeah, so... Um, I kind of fell into uh, the 80s for a second. Um, you know, I, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, you know, two of my biggest influences. And uh, I, I wanted to tell a story that, you know, that I, a story that I went through, um, wanting that special person to want you the same way that you want them. Um, and I think it's a story that we've all gone through. You know, it's age old, and uh, it, it's just a, a very... Uh, sexy summertime way of explaining it. Yeah, I heard a songwriter one time told me, said something about most songs are either about I want you to love me, I want you to get back with me, I want to party with you, you make me sad. That sounds like it's pretty much true, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it, we, we all go through the same things, you know, and um, I, I think if you write a story about something very specific to yourself, um, it it paints a picture for other people, too, and they see themselves in your stories. When did you know that you were going to be uh, an artist, a professional artist, a singer, a songwriter, everything full-time? Um, I, I decided at four. I told my mom that when I saw Michael Jackson for the first time, I was like, Mom, I want to be just like him. <laughs> I mean, from that moment on, I, ne I never looked back. And what did your mama say? She, she's as proud as can be. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't speak too much for her, but um, she, she's through the roof. You know, she tells me all the time. You know, she'll send me random texts. You know, telling me how proud of proud of me she is. And, yeah, it's, it's it's always amazing to make your mom proud, right? Absolutely, that's what we all want to do: make them proud and never embarrass. Them. Because you're an artist, do you think that you have a different approach to offering that constructive criticism to the contestants, in that you're giving it to them the way you wish some folks had given it to you early on in your career? Absolutely. I mean, I, I approach it like uh, a veteran you know i was in those shoes um i went on auditions all the time and um contestants should treat this like an audition you know it's not the last hurrah you know what i'm saying it's not the last thing that they can do so if they decide um not to come back to this show they still leave with a, a positive um taste in their mouth you know and hopefully they learn something so they can go on another audition and nail it you know um it's it's a it's a tough business. What else are you working on? Anything? Yeah, so I have a record label um, called Future History um, that is, uh, you know, just kicking off. I have an artist by the name of Alex Dion. Um, also, uh, you know, the, the album is out, as you know. Um, Stevie Wonder's on the album. J-Lo's on the album. Um, Megan Trainor's on the album, so very star-studded. Um, working on uh, some clothing line, my, my clothing line, actually. And, uh, yeah. You are indeed happy. very, very yeah. busy collaborating with Stevie Wonder. Is that one of those things you'd call a dream come true? Absolutely. One, definitely one of those uh, bucket list moments, for sure. You know, I'm, I'm excited for for the people to, to finally hear this album. You know, I've been working on it for eight months, and um, it's finally, finally out, so it's exciting. Hey, thanks, Jason. We'll talk to you soon. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. 
tweet me, MyAndalusCondo29, on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.